1: four oh seven on the Central Coast. It is Thursday, Friday, Friday, day, Friday, January thirteenth, two thousand and twenty-three. I'm Dave Congleton. Still to come at five oh five, it's last call, the Friday night open line. Whatever's on your mind will take your phone calls. At six oh five, Leslie Hall's responds to Mayor Stewart about what the slow life is in her mind. Uh, this hour, we have covered a lot about, well, the rain's coming and the rain is here and here's where it's flooding, but we want to spend this hour focused on a couple local neighborhoods, what happened and what the response has been or not been. We got a couple different perspectives. Joining us in studio, uh, we start off with a Julie Tacker, local government watchdog. She's not a reporter. Hey, Julie, how are
2: you? I'm well. Thank you, Dave.
1: Nice to see you. And we also have reporter Karen Veeley with us. Karen, how are you? I'm doing great. Let's start with uh, Pastor Robles. You're being evacuating people. What's going on? Just the knob down by your waist there. First time on the studio. What, what's, happening <laughs> in Pas- what's, what's happening in Lake Nacimiento?
3: Karen. Okay, out at Lake Nacimiento, there is um, Running Deer Ranch, and it's a gated community. Before you get to the gate, the road is now dangerous, so they have closed the road. The problem is there's about 420 PG&E customers back there. So if there's two people in every house, that's 800. Some are vacation homes. They are completely cut off. They cannot get out by road. Neither can things like fuel trucks. If you're running out of um, uh, propane, propane, you cannot get someone in there to fix it. There are residents that do own boats and have cars parked at the south side. They're able to get out and get food and things for their neighbors, but they had no electricity also until yesterday afternoon because PG&E couldn't even get in to fix it. And they're saying it could be months before this is fixed. The neighbors want them to quickly make an alternative way for vehicles to get in and out. And um, they believe that it should be... This should be being done much quicker and there should be more help. And um, the county says it could be a month before they actually fix the road and that they are helping people by bringing in emergency um, equipment, medicine, and actually helicoptering some people out. But by, helicopter. by helicopter. By helicopter. But I, could you imagine three days without electricity, and you don't, you can't drive away and get food and clean up your mess, you all the food, the rotten food in your refrigerator, and you can't get to a store, and your propane is running out? There are a lot of desperate people in that area.
1: All right. All right. So that's Paso. Julie, talk about Los Osos, please.
2: Well, what the made there's. Chronic flooding in Los Osos with different storms all the time. Sure. But what happened in what they're calling the Vista incident is – that's what – And
1: and locate the neighborhood for us, please.
2: Okay. I'm happy to do that. Um, Vista De Oro Estates is a little subdivision with 74 homes. It's on the way to Montaña de Oro, so when you're going west on Los Osos Valley Road, there's that large curve that curves southwest, and it's just after the curve to the left. Little little subdivision there, I'm very familiar with it. My dad was one of the contractors in the early 70s. I spent my eighth summer digging ditches Hmm. for him (laughs) as a contractor there. Anyway, um, so when I heard There were evacuations in Vista de Oro. I couldn't think of what water course was nearby that would cause any kind of flooding. They've never had a situation ever. So evacuations were, they evacuated the entire subdivision. People were sent to the Ralph's shopping center just for, you know, checking off that everyone was out and safe. Uh, Fortunately, no one was injured uh, according to Scotty Jalbert, the director of emergency operations, everyone, no one was trapped for any length of time, um, so everyone was safe. But the real question for even Vista De Oro residents was where did this water come from? Hmm. And as it turns out, there's another subdivision on the way to uh, Montana de Oro, just south of it, and it's up. Slope That's called Cabrillo Estates. The big one.
1: Yeah. That's
2: the big one. Yeah. So the big one was built in the late 60s, about 68. Then, so they have to, every every, every subdivision has to um, manage its runoff. And Vistadero has its own little runoff basin. Cabrillo Estates has a basin in the 90s. That basin was expanded to accommodate an expansion of the Cabrillo Estate subdivision. So um, that retention basin, large basin, almost two acres, um, ruptured, broke down, failed. I don't know how you want to characterize it. But the water that was in that basin inundated homes in Vista de Oro about a football field of apart there was a there was a gap there's a vacant lot in between
1: how often is that inspected
2: well we hear it was inspected that very day which was monday
1: before the slide
2: before this before it broke before it failed so the um the water picked up the dirt (laughs) that was holding that was part of the structure of the basin So that dirt and water crossed the vacant lot about 300 feet to the homes on Vista Court and traversed through those homes and into the next street, and that I'm forgetting the name of that, Montana Way. And then the water and picking up debris of all kinds including furniture, and you've heard about barbecues floating um down and around that big curve and heading for the bay so there was there were chairs and like i said furniture and and barbecues on the way to the bay
1: but come back if it was inspected the day of
2: what happened what happened and i'm sure that is a question that will be
1: am i missing something
2: oh no it's going mm-hmm. the, the answer to the question is going to be a, a long time coming
1: and who would have inspected that
2: the, so the basin is managed by the Los Osos Community Service District. Uh, before the district was formed, it was managed by the County of San Luis Obispo. And of course, it was constructed by the s- subdivider, subdividers in the years that it was uh, under
3: construction. Yeah. One of the main issues here is you have older people, widows, a lot of seniors in the homes there that do not have the money to correct this, they find out their insurance isn't going to cover it. Why not? Because it's supposed to be flooding. But if it was a failure to properly keep up the basin, the community service district will be responsible for the people in that community. Oh, dear. And so right now there's kind of a quandary. Some people are saying it, it, it appears that the um, community service district had not kept it up properly, there's a rubber liner inside and then a berm on the outside. And was the rubber liner supposed to be changed at some time? Was the proper upkeep? Was there parts of the rubber liner that were exposed to the sun during the drought? There's a lot of things that need to be looked at um, in order to find out what's happening. Now I have heard the city or the community's insurance company wants to fight it claiming it's a flood. But I've also heard that some people inside the district office believe it was their fault.
1: What are you hearing, Julie? What
3: I,
2: Because I asked this question yesterday. Los Osos CSD had an emergency meeting at 11 o'clock in the morning, and I participated during my lunch hour via Zoom. Thank God for Zoom. Um, but I asked the question about some responsibility, and what um, Ron Munns, the general manager of the district, said is that they will be accepting claims They'll, of course, then take those claims and present them to their insurance company. The other uh, direction that people with losses have been asked to do is go to org and fill out claims there uh, for their damages, and that's going to help the county as a whole uh, yeah. towards the FEMA Wait, how many homes?
1: Home, how many homes are damaged?
2: So twenty homes are damaged. There's, um, there are of course varying degrees of damage. Um, several are red tagged, which means they are not safe to enter. Several are yellow tagged, which means they are still structurally sound, but they're help, for health and safety reasons. Likely mold. Uh, they should not be ha- inhabited. So um, that that's how severe the issue is for yeah. those those neighbors
1: that sounds serious karen
3: yes could you imagine being in your mid-70s not having a lot of savings and finding out your investment in your home may be a complete loss
1: all right let me uh, pause and break away here julie tacker karen Veely. we're talking about talking a little bit about pastor robles now we're focused about los osos at some point this hour Ross will bring up moral bay your phone call still to come as we talk about what's happening between storms i'm dave congleton this is hometown radio for the central coast we'll continue right after this Well, we've got a lot to cover this hour as we're back with uh, local government watchdog julie tacker reporter karen Veely. uh we had the big wave of storms a lot of damage we're looking at the response or lack thereof to this. Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, Pastor Robles, and we've been focusing on Los Sos. A question that pops into mind, who, who's the supervisor representing Los Sos now? Julie, do, do we have a supervisor in Los Osos? So
2: on the books, it's Debbie Arnold, and she's got her hands full, of course, in the North County. But um, Bruce Gibson has been pre- present at several meetings in the community. Good. And he was asked the, that very question, who's our supervisor? And he said, the short answer is me. All so, right. So he's expecting to rec- uh, become our supervisor i think all of our supervisors are definitely paying attention and sympathetic to all the situations
3: around the county
1: but it'd be nice if district two had a supervisor in los osos or whatever district it is now i don't know karen you're going to say
3: i think um, the plan is right now is to try to get it back to the county and redo redistricting and stop fighting the lawsuit The problem is if they try to go back to the old district, they're likely to get a lawsuit because it broke the biggest city in the county into three pieces, and it didn't have to. So we'll have to see what happens. Um, I think this is far from over on the redistricting.
1: All right. Uh, Julie, let's put some good news in Los Osos. People have been blown away by the community response to all this.
2: It's incredible. And um, the district has definitely stepped up, uh, putting out dumpsters for these people to put their belongings in uh porta potties people have shown up with tractors. The district has tractors uh shovels and wheelbarrows and and brooms over a hundred volunteers have shown up in that neighborhood digging 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 uh One of the things that was observed is that the the shoveling and wheelbarrowing is going faster than the tractor work. There's Mm. the the volunteers are moving that material out very, very quickly, which is terrific. Um, The the the, there's, of course, very sad parts of the story. And uh, one testimony at the meeting yesterday was that a woman was sifting through her belongings and finding photographs of her neighbor mm-hmm. and those were her photographs yeah. and so you know um people are donating car- uh, ralph's so- shopping ralph's uh, grocery store is collecting boxes because once you've s- filled, sifted out your your china or your memento where do you put it
1: because so all covered in mud
2: everything's dirty and then it has to be put in a box and be stored somewhere until these homes can be repaired or replaced and that may be the case. Some of these homes may not be recoverable.
1: So what's expected of the county? I mean, you mentioned Supervisor Gibson being on site, and that's great. But it what, is. what what's the obligation of the county?
2: Um, they are, certainly they have resources that, um, you know, connections to the Red Cross, and then, the, of course, the big FEMA uh, application is going to go through the county, Um, They are the building official. They are the ones who have to determine whether these homes are ever inhabitable again. So inspectors have been out there. Um, CAL FIRE has been amazing on the job. They have, because the basin cannot be, the retention basin has not been repaired and certainly won't be repaired for some time, the quick fix in preparation for the storm this weekend was to dig um several series of series of ditches and sandbag to enforce those so that the water that does come down from Cabrillo states and heads for that basin will leave that that basin where the big gash in it in the ground is yeah. and it will then um sort of spread over the vacant lot and the the property owner at the of the vacant lot is working with the district and working with every the community whatever they need that But
1: will we find out at some point what happened to the day of the inspection?
2: Um, You know, I think insurance companies and attorneys will eventually have to get involved. Um, There's something called comparative responsibility, and that's what lawsuits and lawyers and they'll they'll have to drill down to the bottom of it.
3: I absolutely agree. This is going to be a fight in the long run with insurance carriers not wanting to cover it. Other people wanting it covered, and I believe it will likely end up in a battle in court.
1: I've got two minutes before the news break here. And what's happening in Morro Bay?
3: Now, in Morro Bay, they had some of the worst flooding in the county. There were uh, there were roads flooded, rescues of getting people out. People were trapped at the time. There's also, I'm working on a story regarding some sewage issues, and um, not the sewage bill they talked about, I had multiple people tell me they had sewage shooting up through their toilets and their sinks. One woman said she had two inches of sewage throughout her house, in her closets, under her beds. The city is is saying it was one person and it was their fault. The neighbors up there are saying it's not. I have some work to do to determine what is going on with the issues in Morrill Bay.
1: What could have gone wrong?
3: The same thing that used to happen in Oceano. They would get a clog in their lines outside. The neighbors told me it was also coming out of manholes. And there was one neighborhood in Oceano that regularly had problems. They finally fixed it. And that neighborhood, during storms, on several different occasions, had sewage backing up and just shooting out of their drains and toilets. That's what the neighbors are saying happened in this neighborhood. The city is saying that it's... um There was a clog in the one person's yard, and the sewage couldn't get out. But I don't know how that ends up in two inches of sewage throughout your house.
1: I guess uh, the headline of the Tribune this hour is after horrific flood damage, Morrill Bay Mobile Home Park braces for another storm. This is the Silver City West Mobile Home Park. So they're bracing for another storm.
3: And I think the entire county is bracing for another storm. There was no one left out of this. I don't know one community that did not have flooding. But the the nicest thing about this is the way that neighbors have treated neighbors. I've had people tell me that they had a road out, they had neighbors calling saying, "Do you need food? Do you need medicine? Can I drive you somewhere? If you need anything, I'm here." The community—it um, was heartwarming what has happened in this community over the mon- after Monday storms. All right,
1: we're in conversation with Julie Tacker and Karen Veely. We've been talking about Pastor Robles and Los Osos and Morro Bay, and the response to the recent storms and what the challenges ahead might be. We're off to California Headline News and ABC Radio News. Craig updates us with time saver traffic and weather. Together, we will continue our conversation and welcome your phone calls and text messages. This is Hometown Radio. If you're just joining us, we are in conversation with local government watchdog Julie Tacker and reporter Karen Veely. We've been talking about the recent storms and the ongoing storm damage and trying to sort through all this. On the Stolberg Tatum text line, number one, decisions have consequences, our listener argues. While I feel for the running deer residents, I think it was their decision to live in such a remote area.
3: Yes, that's they do live in a, a remote area, but that's a county road. When you're paying taxes for a road, you have a right to have some upkeep, and we pay taxes to have our government help us out, even if you don't live in a city where there are more government resources.
1: What did you say, Julie?
2: Uh, I agree that uh, that you know it's really about proper funding for continued maintenance in all the infrastructure that would have any uh, have been impacted by water and water is a powerful powerful thing Um, with all the drought we've had over the many years people are not accustomed to or not familiar with this kind of um you know disaster because we just haven't seen this kind of rain
1: julie you were telling me during the break there's a gofundme page for the los osos residents
2: there is um it's called help the los osos mudslide victims and uh it's it'd be great if anybody wants to. So uh, how are they
1: going to determine who gets what?
2: So there's there's the whoever's organized this, um, a woman Diana Hammerland. Um, there is a little pa- uh, paragraph in her, her, a in her GoFundMe thing in her me thing that talks about yeah. how they'll right. they'll determine how is she
1: a resident of Los She is. She's Good. a long time. Friend. All right, so what's the name of the account?
2: Help the Lososos mudslide victims.
1: If you want to join us? Please do. 805-543-8830. We'll take your phone calls, read your text messages. We'll start with Vita in Lososos. Hey Vita.
4: Hi, Hi. Thanks for taking my call, sure. Hi Julie and Hi, um
5: Karen. <laughs>
4: Karen, Karen. Anyway, I'm talking about Lososos, of course. Sure. So, someone uh, messaged me today. I'm next door saying that her friend works for Heart Cell Engineering and that they are up there trying to secure that site and the um, and remediate it. But to me, isn't that an admission of guilt then? That's an admission that it wasn't secure to begin with. And then another person messaged me who lives in Monarch Grove, which is right across, as you know, from Vista Oro, just north a little bit. Yeah, north a little bit. Uh, she said the water is now running down uh, their road into Monarch Grove. Okay. So I don't know. I haven't been there. But it just sounds to me like there are a lot of questions to be answered for these folks. I said to someone, do they need Aaron Brockovich <laughs> to come in and try to remediate all of this? It's pretty sad. I went there yesterday and spent about two, two and a half hours. And it's awfully sad. I feel for these people. And, you know, from what they are hearing, their insurance is not going to cover any of this. And it's devastating. And as Karen said, many of these are senior citizens. And they've probably been in these homes for 20, 25 years. You know, and that doesn't mean that they're rich folks. They bought those homes when they were much more reasonable to
2: buy.
1: Julie, what do you say?
2: Well, first of all, thank you, Vita, for being out there. Um, Vita herself is a senior citizen, and that's – Vita always comes out when something's going on, so appreciate that. Um, As far as engineers being out there, that's exactly who we need out there to mitigate what has happened and to prepare for the uh, the repair. Uh, Ron Munns estimates that just the interim fix is going to be in the hundreds of thousands of dollars and the long-term fix probably over a million. Mm. So the, that is something the district absolutely does not have extra money in their, in their funds for. Um, they're going to have to look at insurance. They're going to have to ask FEMA. These are... Uh, these are very expensive infrastructure situations throughout the county that have to be looked at. And engineers, for, whether it's Aaron Brockovich or a forensic engineering, that has to look back to see if it was if, if it was a design flaw or not maintained well or something else.
1: Karen?
3: And I, I do want to say emergency services is required to help, whether it was the government's fault or not in a major disaster like this. Um, this is going to be very expensive, and they are already looking at different ways to get grants and federal funding or state funding at this point.
1: Vita, what else from you, please?
3: Well, there
4: was an on-site meeting yesterday. Bruce Gibson was there, Ron Munds, all of the uh, you know, people in the county, the county emergency services, Red Cross. And they did say it's very important for those people to file a report a claims report, or whatever you call it, to org, And also you can do it with the Los Osos CSD, because otherwise um, they're not going to get anything. So all of those people need
6: to file.
1: All right, Vita, thanks for checking in. 805-543-8830. April's on KVEC. Hi, April.
6: Hi, Dave. Hi, Hi Julie. Hi, Karen. Hi. Um, Hi. I'm call- Hi, guys. I'm calling from Oceano, which isn't exactly the topic, but we're talking about damage overall i just wanted to give a quick update i attended the meeting that thank you thank you supervisors ortiz leg and polding um, facilitated with all the emergency services first responders the county oes all of it um, we had a meeting on thursday evening thank you but in that meeting this is where what i want to talk about i learned i live roughly 500 yards north Of the Arroyo Grande Creek at 22nd Street, where a lot of the damage happened, right? Okay. I only learned Thursday night, this Thursday night, that the levee had breached or the creek had breached the levee on the north side, my side. I never knew that. I never got an alert. I never, nothing. And I'm on reverse 911. Um, I, I don't understand why I didn't know that or why anyone, any of us residents, there's roughly seven, 12 houses over there. We got no notice and that concerns me greatly. Um, I did learn really interesting things about the creek and their system to alleviate water rising, which gave me some peace of mind. Um, but I just want people to understand that live in Oceano along the creek, just because you didn't get an alert, don't sit back and think everything's okay, because that thing could go at any time, and you won't know until it's happening. So be prepared. Regardless, the message they gave us that night was, "Help, help you help yourself."
1: Excellent, Julie. Yeah,
2: the um, it, the interesting part of that meeting in Oceano it was originally directed at people west of Highway 1, and so where April lives is east of Highway 1 and at the very south end of town. So west of Highway 1 is the Meadow Creek wa- Watershed, and that has this the flap gates, and you'll remember they were part of the problem back in 2010 when the sewer overflowed. Right. And so there's some, I think, differing opinions on between engineers on how to manage those gates and if in a, the whole idea was that when it flooded too much, you would open them and let the water out. When Arroyo Grande Creek is rushing, they are keeping it closed so that Arroyo Grande's water, Arroyo Grande Creek's water pred- predominantly hits the ocean sooner. Yeah. So Meadow Creek backs up and
3: that whole neighborhood tends to flood. I'm surprised after all these years they haven't pulled it together. Back in the, when she's talking the 2009, 2010, it was disastrous for the homes in that area. And they found out then that a man had personally gone down there, not a government employee, and would open the gates himself and run it around, and he had become sick or passed away. Passed away and, yeah. it, and it it and nobody was there to open it. Hmm.
1: Right. What else you want to say, April?
6: I want to say, Dave, that Julie is much more than a watchdog. She is an activist, and she is so infinitely educated about the CSDS, about the government. I know, about
1: but I only have an. I only have an it's hour. Amazing. I can't have Thank I you. only. I can't read her resume. <laughs> Thank you, April. Thank you, April. <laughs> uh, and just to be fair on the Stolberg Tatum text line, we don't need Aaron Brockovich. We have Karen Veely. Yeah, yeah. Did oh, you text you. that in? Did you text it <laughs> in? And well, you
3: see
7: me? <laughs>
1: <laughs> 805-543-8830. We've got uh, Rick and Templeton. Hey Rick.
7: Hi there. Hi. Uh w- 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 when I was a civilian military employee for for quite a few years, we used to fill sandbags and then then they got a, a, put in a new landfill and we needed a lot of sandbags. But anyway, there was a company where they would bring truckloads of sandbags on pallets already made up, and I didn't realize that, but I'm sure a lot of people don't. But it'd probably be hard to get those sandbags. But there's a company that they'll bring truckloads of sandbags already made up on pallets. So I just wanted to. It's kind of late now, but you never know. Well, we it got more rain in the future.
1: More rain coming. Any response to Rick?
2: I did not know about that. Um, Filling sandbags is quite tedious work. But like you said just now, Dave, and the point really should be taken forward is that the climate is changing and that these storms are going to come more frequently and they're going to hit harder. And to April's point, we all need to be prepared. And I'm thinking about these people who never anticipated a flood and they've lost their computers, they've lost their important papers, and All of us need to be more conscientious about being prepared that way, you know, getting it digitized, getting it in the cloud, being able to access it from somebody else's computer should yours be buried in a mudslide.
1: Rick, how are things in Templeton?
7: Uh, There's very little problems in Templeton. The only thing that happened uh, not far from me, there's a street called Eddie and Holly and Salinas street was closed between it there's a creek called toad creek and it got 50 about 50 feet wide and it's down down and there, I, I don't know of any real damage it, it didn't hit the houses or anything good. i think templeton came out pretty good
1: that's good news rick thanks for checking and we'll come back for a final segment with karen veeley and julie tacker I'm Dave Congleton on AM 920 FM 96.5 News Talk, KVEC. Last call, our Friday night open line begins after news at the top of the hour. We're in our final segment with Julie Tacker and Karen Veely. If you want in on this conversation, we need to hear from you now, please, 805-543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We've talked about Paso Robles and Oceano and Los Osos and Morro Bay. As we talk about the extent of the storm damage and a response or lack of response, Karen, you wanted to add on to Rick's call about Templeton. What's happening in Templeton?
3: Well, there was one road. It's rural Templeton, but the Adelaide Road, Adelaide Road, there was a collapse of that road. There are were, were several roads that had major problems: Orkut Road in slow Highway 229 and Adelaide. What would happen was they have culverts going underneath, and they would get clogged, and then the water would go around the culvert and dig holes under the road. And some of them started with sinkholes, some of them half of the road fell off. All three roads are closed, and they're, fu- they're fully closed. And on the one in Orcutt Road, Caltrans actually sent all the journalists in the county an email saying, please help us get this information out. Residents were moving away the barricades and going over anyway, hmm. and this is a road that could just fall and collapse and injure people. Well, that's
1: how the woman died in Avila. Yeah, she went around the signs. Yes. All right, uh, let's take another call. We uh, stay here in San Luis for Mark on KVEC. Hi, Mark.
0: Hi, everybody. Hi. Um, I'm curious about Oceano. Um, isn't most of a lot large parts of Oceano in a flood zone though, an active flood zone? Julie, very much
2: of it is the west yeah. side is is unfortunately that's not something you can change. Certainly, the engineering um, that has been done, some of the chronic flooding was uh, seems to be resolved there at Highway One and Thirteenth Street. Um, millions of dollars is what it took to do it, and many many years with permits and. Approvals from all the different landowners in in the area, um, but you know these these are the homes are there, and I mean we look at at chronic flooding in Texas and and Louisiana and that kind of thing, and you think why do people keep going back? That's their home, and uh, I think FEMA has put into some measures in those areas to actually buy the home and move the people and they they are abandoning those flood areas but Mm. but that's certainly not going to be happening in california anytime soon
7: yeah mark Uh, actually bill clinton uh
0: and his administration started that Mm -hmm. i i I just i would just say you know you live in that flood zone area i think as if i lived there i would certainly know everything about it and not wait for a surprise Uh, because there's little you can do when you have rains like we just had i mean i mean even the best systems get overwhelmed immediately so i I think you have to be proactive and uh um i i hope when realtors sell property in that area they thoroughly disclose that you're in a flood zone but although i i think the the are they required eventually what's that
1: they're required to disclose if you're in a floodplain they are required but
2: what what you know and i think it goes back to the recent years of drought we just haven't seen it, and so people maybe don't believe that it could happen, yeah. and it does.
1: Yeah, Mark, I'm sorry you were about to yeah. say.
0: No, a great okay. show. I, I right. appreciate you guys bringing the awareness because uh, it'll it could help the residents there check out their area and see what they need to have to do either for evacu- evacuation or protection or you know, look into floodgates or whatever they have mm. to do because uh, mm. we've had a long uh, 15-year kind of semi-dry period, So, but but the rains are here. Anyway, here. thank you. Great show. Thank, thank you, Mark.
1: Mark. Yeah, and more rain coming. Eight zero five five four three eight eight three zero. 543 8830 Debbie's in Los Osos. Hi, Debbie. Hey, how are you, Dave? We're good, Debbie.
5: Good. Um, some of the issues you know, when you've got a lot of dead wood and stuff, and it's just like over there at the Twin Bridges Fish and Game, or when they planted all the willows in there to slow down the silting. When those willows get old or other things are dead, and that starts blocking things up, because Fish and Game isn't allowing the creeks being cleaned out. San Luis has changed that, where I know for a fact they've had a contractor come in and clean out a lot of San Luis Creek. To help prevent that but in other areas in this county you can't go in and clean out the creek and so it just builds up and when there's a plug it just flows everywhere
2: mm. that's a and- really, really good point debbie and in the in the restrictions the um permitting that has to go on arroyo grande creek is also plagued by this debris um and be- believe it or not beavers clogging up the creek or building a an- Real dams for their homes, but that also causes problems with the with flooding.
3: Hmm. Debbie
5: and I also know for a fact right now one contractor they've got three quarries going around round the clock. They've got eighty trucks going up to Running Springs Ranch trying to drop off rock and everything, trying to get that work done. So it's not like it's being ignored but they're being pulled in so many directions with so many things going on. They only have so much manpower, and these guys are working up around the clock to get that rock broken and get it loaded up on the trucks to get it hauled out to these areas. They're working five or six different disasters here in the county
3: alone.
1: Wow.
3: That's great. So, All
1: right, uh, good great. to know. Debbie, thank you. Karen?
3: I absolutely b- agree that they are pulled in so many directions. I had my scanner going on on Monday, and fairly early in the day, I heard officers and government officials going, we are out of cones. There's no more cones. <laughs> and suddenly they weren't doing certain things. They switched almost primarily to rescues.
1: All right. Let me squeeze in Garth in a Tascadero. Hey, Garth. Hey, everyone. How's Hi. you going? We're good. Um,
3: hey, I'm not sure if you mentioned I, uh, the
5: 300,000-gallon um, sewage bill. spill. Um, In
1: Templeton? Yeah, Karen just mentioned
2: that. Was that mentioned? Oh, you did mention that. She
3: did mention it on the air. Okay. Okay. One of the issues there, which I do not understand, is this is all um, electronic, so they know when they have a spill, and generally they report those right after they occur. This happened near Vineyard Drive area, um, and 300,000 gallons poured into the Salinas River, but my question is, why was it not reported for three days?
5: What's
1: your point, Garth?
5: Yeah, that's also disturbing. Um, yeah, that's something that's been very underreported. And, you know, it just kind of goes along with all, all the recent sewage spills, you know, San Luis Obispo and different areas. So that's quite concerning.
2: It is. Stay out of the waterways because that is nasty stuff and can make you sick.
1: Well, I believe it. <laughs> All right, Garth, thank you. I mean, it's pretty serious, and he's right. It's not just this one case. There are multiple cases of this. Oh, yeah. well, Karen?
3: The, the sewers are chronic. For- and remember, I don't know if we're having more sewage fills than others, but remember we had uh, people involved in most of the sewers in this county that later were in trouble for conflicts of interest, legally were charged and convicted of conflicts of interest. How many of the sewers were done by people that cut corners?
1: So, well, this could be a topic for another show ladies we'd, but we'd love to be back <laughs> it's uh yeah i 'd love to have you back it's the idea of do we have the infrastructure we need to be ready for these storms, and is this a wake up call that we have to look at the infrastructure around the county
2: I think it is a wake up call absolutely um what's what we don 't see we don 't take care of, and one of the things with sewage exp- especially is the pipes underground that are actually tr- transmitting it to the plant the plant may be work in perfect working order it's the groundwater and the rainwater that can infiltrate the those pipes and then you have too much flow and mm. then it upsets the plant Karen which no, then I, spills
3: I actually agree with that and how much of this is deferred maintenance and in this county, we have had some issues with friends of friends getting contracts and then allegedly cutting corners. So there's a lot of work to be done here to look into these things.
1: So what the hell are you doing here? Get, get home and get working on that. Hey, hey, hey. And CalCoastNews.com. She's the new Erin Brockovich, according to the texter. Julie, final thoughts?
2: Uh, again, the Help Los Osos Mudslide Victims GoFundMe page, but for the countywide, for sure, the ReadySlow.org. Fill out your forms so that we can be eligible for the FEMA.
1: Assistance. It'll be interesting to see public comment at the next Board of Supervisors meeting. Karen, final thoughts?
3: I am impressed with the people in our community that have been helping their neighbors and making sure others are good. And also, please, when you have an issue, call Cal Coast News. We'll look into it and send us your photos of the storms.
1: All right. Uh, thank you, ladies. Off thank we go. You. News and traffic and weather. What's on your mind? Friday night open line starts now.